Pacing plan development. Fall races are approaching quickly and people often want to begin talking about their goal times for their races coming up. There are websites out there like findmymarathon.com, which can actually be a really helpful tool, but they also have a part of their website where they do a mile by mile breakdown of exactly what pace you should run for each and every mile of a race based on the course elevation of that specific course. This can be great to think about the variations in pace that you might be hitting in a race, but it is important to remember that we are not robots. Unfortunately, there really isn't a special formula that will work to know exactly what pace you will hit or that you should hit each and every mile of a race because every mile might feel a little bit different to you personally. The weather, the wind, mentally, water stops, all of these things can impact how your pacing actually goes on race day. So instead of focusing on mile by mile, what pace you should be hitting precisely, we have a little bit of a different approach that we ask our athletes to use. And we also give this advice out to you guys. We are talking about setting a speed limit during various points of the race. We also want to spend these final weeks of marathon training or half marathon training really visualizing and mentally preparing for how we want to feel at various points during the race. How do you want to feel at mile one? How do you want to feel at mile five, at mile 10, at mile 15? And we want to be using how we feel during workouts and long runs as good gauges and indicators as to what sort of paces we can be able to run on race day and how we want to feel on race day. So in this episode, we'll be talking a lot about developing your pacing plan, which can be something that creates a lot of excitement for athletes. And it's also something that maybe people don't go about it in the same way that we're going to talk about going about it. So I know a lot of people out there, they set their goals maybe based on numbers or they really want to hit a certain goal time. Maybe that's setting a PR. Maybe that's running a BQ. Maybe that's breaking a barrier like sub 330, sub 310, sub four. And so those are really big numeric benchmarks that a lot of people want to hit. But before we kind of dive into that aspect of things, we want to just evaluate really where you are physically and see what is a realistic goal time and what's a good pacing plan for you personally and then seeing if that lines up with what your goal that you had numerically kind of comes into line and if they are in alignment that's really great but if there is a big gap or even a couple minute gap maybe we want to reassess kind of what that um, numeric goal was and if it's worth chasing after because we cannot stretch our fitness level to a level that it's not quite at and that could actually end up being almost like a detrimental thing to do on race day. Like, so if you're in 338 marathon shape and that's like your A shape that you're in based on all your workouts and everything, and you go out trying to break 330, that could be really detrimental just because your pacing plan would have you going out at a faster pace than you can even sustain. And so we want to make sure you have a positive experience on race day and you're able to run to your potential. So the first thing we're going to be talking about is what is the best way to decide your race day goal? We're going to talk about the paces that you've been hitting in your training, 
Um, we also are going to talk about a goal that's challenging to you. And then we're also going to be talking about like your history with running. So are you a veteran marathoner? What is your experience doing these things? Because if you have a long history of negative splitting races, executing really well, we know that about you. We know that you can kind of execute really well. So you might be able to go after a little bit more of an aggressive goal. If you're someone on the other hand, who's really struggled to reach their potential on race day, for whatever reason, you find that you're slowing down a lot towards the end of the race. Um, Maybe you've been trying to run the same time over and over again, and things just haven't really gone well. Maybe we're going to kind of reevaluate, like what is the best pacing strategy for you personally, based on your racing experience. And we'll also talk about if you're a first timer. Second, we're going to move into how should you pace it? So First, we have to know like, what is a realistic goal for you? Maybe that's that 338 marathon. Maybe it's 458. Um, We're gonna talk about like how you figure out that goal pace. And then we're gonna talk about, okay, let's say my goal is a five hour marathon and that's where my fitness is at. How should you actually pace the race? Like how should you approach it? Should you go out hard? Should you go out slow? And it's really going to depend on the course. So we will talk about the fact that, yes, we do advocate for negative splits, but we also are realistic and we understand that there are some courses out there where you might find that an even split or a slight positive split is actually ideal because some of these like rebel races, for example, it's like if you're going to go down a mountain and it's like you're going to drop. 30,000 or 3,000 feet of elevation the first half and then the second half maybe it's 1,000 feet of elevation loss you really want to look at okay is it really realistic to ask that I'm going to actually negative split this based on pace probably not because if there's like a huge downhill section in the first half we are maybe when we end up doing the first half of the race we're going to do negative split effort But when you have these massive downhill segments in that first half of the race, you might actually have negative split effort, but that first half ends up being faster because you're running significantly downhill. And I know there are a few other races out there like that. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but really looking at the course profile is extremely beneficial. And that's where I think the tool like findmymarathon.com is a great resource and tool for you because you can really see like the course elevation map and look at your own personal, um, what, what you're in for on race day. Then number three, we're going to be talking about, should you run with a pacer or should you wear a pace band? So again, this is almost giving away our autonomy to an outside source. So in some regards, it can be beneficial in some situations to run with a pacer, to have a pace band. Um, and we'll talk about what those unique case scenarios could be. Um, cause it really depends on the athlete, depends on the goals, depends on your experience. All right, so diving in, Jason, what is the best way to decide on race day goals? Yeah, so this is an exciting topic for me. As a coach, it's one of the things that I prefer to do, you know, as far as helping athletes um, kind of approach their race, Um, not only with their mindset, but uh, establishing a pacing plan. So what we're going to do is look at the course of their training and their their previous experiences as, as, as a racer and come up with a plan. So the first thing I'm going to do is look at the history in the sport. You know, is it a first time marathon or like you mentioned, or is it going to be their second, their fifth, you know, their 10th, whatever. And then sort of look at patterns over the past, right. And figure out, okay, how did that race go? Um, what was their training like? How, how is training differed now? You know, that sort of thing. So looking at overall kind of like patterns in terms of like volume, 
Um, and and then um, I know we'll talk about some of the you know the previous experiences with with pacing the races later. But um, I think the next thing is looking at just overall the training. How has it gone? So looking at um, paces for specific workouts, like when you do threshold work, um, are you consistent from the first rep to the last rep? Are you um, usually right around pace? Are you a little sub pace? Are you a little bit slower than your pace? Um, so looking for those tendencies, that's really important. And then obviously, you know, steady state work or marathon pace specific work. I'm going to, I'm going to look at that, um, especially carefully to see, um, just, you know, just how those workouts have gone for you, how confident you are running them. And a lot of times I'll look back at comments too, cause that tells me a lot, um, about like effort on that day. Like, do you feel like you could continue the pace? Um, in training peaks, there's a nice little rating score. You can rate your workout one to 10. So I use that as a kind of a, a gauge for measuring that RPE too, as well. So those are some of the things I'm going to start thinking about right away when I, um, help an athlete prepare for their race. Definitely. Yeah. There's so many ways that you can assess training and that's why I think it's really important to have workouts within your training. I think, you know, depending on the training plan you're following, um, some people maybe weren't doing workouts within their training cycle. So then it can be a little bit more challenging to determine like, what should your goal pace be? Um, in that case, I would maybe look at some of the races you did. If you haven't done any races, I would think, well, maybe now is a good time to throw in some workouts or maybe do a race if you have some time before your marathon, because it is good to get an assessment of like, where is your fitness level? I've had many people reach out to me on social media over the years and ask questions like, Hey, I did a 20 miler at, you know, 830 pace. Like, what do you think my marathon pace should be? I have absolutely no idea based on that information. I know personally uh, myself, when I was training for my first marathon, I think I did a 20 miler at, you know, something 830 pace. And there was a lot of stops in there. It was anaerobic. It was like basically an all out race for me. Um, I didn't really realize that or be able to self-assess that because this is over a decade ago and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I ended up running like 410 on race day. Fast forward this last marathon training cycle where I ran 254, um, on race day, I think I did have a 20 miler in there at about like 840 pace. So again, you really have no idea. It could be a range of maybe you're in 250 shape, maybe you're in uh, four hour right. shape. Um, because I don't know what the effort level was on that. And I think sometimes people, especially if you're asking me the question, like a stranger on the internet, you might not even really know yourself what type of effort that you put forth. And so one of the things is just realizing that like miracles aren't going to happen on race day. So like how you felt in your training is probably going to be you know, like on your workout days, on your harder effort days. So if you did a harder effort 20 mile, or let's just say you did that because maybe you didn't really know um, anything about that. I would say, yeah, maybe take how you felt on that. Did you have to take excess stop breaks? Did you, were you taking a lot of walks? Um, that's probably what's going to happen on race day. And so maybe looking at like your elapsed time and getting an idea for like what the average pace was with that. Um, Cause I know that that was really the case for me during that first marathon that I'm <laughs> referring back to. I was able to maybe hold that 8:30 pace for a few, you know, 10 miles of the race. And then there was that whole like run walk that was going on because in my training, I was used to being able to like pause my watch and all that stuff. But like on race day, you're not gonna be able to do that. So I know that's maybe like really basic, um, low level stuff for a lot of our listeners. But, um, I think this is like a really common thing that people maybe will, fall into during marathon training they look so much at like what pace can I hit for my easy runs or my long runs and then they try to translate that over to 
uh, what their marathon pace should be. And in some cases, you know, that pace is maybe relatively close, but I think the best way to go about doing this is to have quality workouts in there because without those quality workouts, I'm not really able to accurately assess like what your effort level was and where your fitness really is at because it's just so hard to know if you're running like in the gray zone or are you running um, at a really easy pace or is, are you actually running at your threshold pace? It's hard to know unless you have differential days within your training where you're saying, okay, this is like a quality effort. I'm going really hard. This is the pace I can run for this type of workout. Um, that's where we're really able to assess. And so I think doing just even a basic workout, like five by one mile, um, before Mm -hmm. your marathon, if you have three weeks out, do that workout, see what pace you can run those repeats at. And then, you know, if you want to set a really aggressive goal for the marathon, maybe you're going to run 40 seconds per mile, 30 seconds per mile slower than those mile repeats. If you're maybe newer to the sport, okay, maybe we're going to do like a minute or a minute and a half slower, just really depending on where you're at. Um, And I think just the more workouts you can do and the more we can assess those workouts, the better idea we're going to get of where your fitness level is at. Also doing races is a great idea. Um, And then what paces do you think you can hit, but also would challenge you? So a lot of people, this is what I think is really funny. A lot of people actually have an idea of what they think they could run for the race. And I think most people are actually really accurate in their gauge of what that is. And I think maybe people have it in their mind. They know what they could run, but they have this like wishful thinking. Oh, but I really want to run X, Y, Z. But really asking yourself, like, realistically, honestly, what do I think I can run for a pace? on race day for mm-hmm. 26.2 miles. And what is the pace that comes to mind as being something that you can hold for 26.2 miles? And that's probably a pretty accurate depiction of like where your current fitness level is at. Most people kinda know what pace they would be able to hold. Um, you have an idea in your head, and so I would say right. go with that hunch and then think about it a little bit more, come back to it. And maybe that's when you kind of go out and seek advice from someone else. Say, Hey, I think I can run this. Here is why I think I can run this. What do you think? Yeah. I like how you talk about that pace that they feel like you can hold for the race. A lot of times that's the question I'll pose to athletes. If they're running a 5k or 10k or even a half or full is, and I don't ask them what their goal time is, right? Cause I don't want them to be fixated on some round number that looks good. I want them to know what do they honestly think is a pace that they can sustain for the duration of that. And so a lot of times, um, you know, there's in the marathon, it's different because, um, you know, there might be an extra couple of minutes added on or whatever, cause the course is long. And so we, what, what, what I'll first do is, is think about like how aggressive does a person want to be. Right. And so that, that alone will tell me based on, um, or actually how aggressive I think we should be mm. that I can decide based on knowing about the person's history in the sport. Right. So like, for example, I had two athletes that recently ran the same marathon. Um, they were, their training was very similar, like in terms of volume and paces. In fact, the less experienced athlete in the marathon, he probably ran some faster paces, right? In training, just because he's a bit younger, um, he's got a faster like half marathon and 5K time, that sort of thing. But the more experienced runner, he's got the faster marathon time. And he ended up running 332 at the marathon, which was great. He said he he broke his goal, which was I think 335. The other person, we could have easily set, set up his pacing plan to run that same time, but because he wasn't quite as experienced and he hadn't had that same level of like success in the marathon, we were a little bit more conservative on his pacing plan. And it was, I think 340 is the target for him. And so he did end up running slower. He ran like 348, but it was still sort of an improvement for him based on where he had previously been in the marathon distance. And so 
you can't always just look at like what other people are running in workouts and what mm. other people's like half PRs are similar to yours and then think, oh, I'm going to run the same time that they ran in the marathon. doesn't work like that. And that's really the hard part about coaching too is helping sort of navigate each individual athlete's strengths and um, looking at this the picture as a whole, right? Like previous experience, the paces and training, um, their mental uh, toughness, all these factors, right? The course, um, weather, how they do in this sort of condition. So um, it's just, it's really a loaded question, but it's, it's fun for me as a coach to help athletes um, figure out what is sort of that um, healthy range that we need to shoot for and um, hopefully ha- you know, help them go into the race feeling confident in that range. Totally. Yeah. And I like the examples you're providing and it makes me think back to a family member that I don't necessarily coach, but um, I think their first marathon was like 4.58. And if you looked at like their VDOT, so any sort of recent race result, you plug that in. I think the prediction for his marathon finish time was somewhere around 3.15, I would have assumed. And I think that's what he went out on pace for. And he ended up running, um, you know, quite a bit slower, right? So looking at the athlete history, looking at his history when he went to go do his second marathon, Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were just a lot of adjustments and things that maybe most people would be like, why would you pick like such a quote unquote, like easy goal for like where your fitness level is at. But the reason being is because this individual wanted to have a positive experience with the, what they were doing. Um, obviously like that first experience for mm-hmm. them was pretty devastating. Um, there was a lot of like walking involved is almost like a DNF experience. And so when you're going into that second marathon, you might have a totally different goal than maybe like what the person standing next to you and the start line goal is maybe the right. person standing next to you, they're going out, they're going to go hard, go ham. They want to like red line the whole time. Whereas someone else might be standing at the starting of the marathon just hoping to like have a positive experience, not have to walk more than one mile of the race. Um, People just have different goals. And I think it's okay to allow yourself to set your own personal goals and not get so wrapped up in like, what is VDOT saying? What can other people at my ability level in like the 5K, 10K half marathon do in the marathon? Because it doesn't really matter. It's more about like, where are you at in your own journey? And then just improving from there. So when he did do a second marathon, I think he ran like 412. So like that's a massive improvement. I mean, you're taking, what, like 40 some minutes mm-hmm. off the time. And that, I mean, that that's a win in and of itself, being able to walk away saying, here are all the positives. And I'm really glad that I approached the race in this manner. And then you can continue to build from there. Um, and I think there's a lot of really positive things that can happen as a result of that. There's also other cases, for example, like let's say someone's taken a couple of years off of the marathon Mm -hmm. or they had a baby or two in between. And so maybe your marathon PR or your fastest times were set five to six years prior and you're a completely different person now. And maybe we just can't use that as like a prior benchmark. Your prior benchmark comes from like a totally different time. So maybe we just start with a clean slate. Maybe the new goal here is just to get that first benchmark to see like, where are you at now as an individual, as a person? We're not comparing yourself to like five, six, 10 years ago when you ran your fastest marathon times. And so allowing yourself to just improve from where you are at currently or where you've been at in the last year, um, if you've been kind of actively training, um, I think is highly beneficial. And then coming up with goals that are going to excite you, but also challenge you. So you don't want to have something that's so scary, so out there that's just not um, realistic, where it gives you so much anxiety that, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do it. You want to have something that you think is possible to do, 
um, because you want to have that belief in yourself on race day. Yeah, you know, you said a lot of good things, and I, th- I think for that that example, the 412, you know, he probably had in his mind a set pace he didn't want to exceed right early on because mm-hmm. that was like his speed limit. And so that's really what's important when we start talking about, um, you know, crafting a specific pacing plan. I think for the marathon especially, a lot of people get so wrapped up in like that mile by mile. And, um, you know, for me, when I ran my PR, it was pre-Garmin. So if I wanted to calculate my my each of my mile splits, I would have had to have do the math in my head when I came through each mile marker. And um, I didn't do that. So I, I just kind of learned it to dial into like the feeling that I wanted to, um, you know, have on, on, on the course. And so I think throughout your training and workouts, that's really the best thing is not to get too wrapped up in the numbers, but to really use them as more of like a, a reflection point. Like, okay, how did this feel? Th- this is the reason why I wasn't able to run, a, you know, a fast or a negative split or run even splits on my mile repeats, whatever it is. And so then hopefully when you get to the race, um, you're not going to be so shaken if you all of a sudden see, oh my gosh, I ran my I ran a mile like a mile marker during the race that was like 25 seconds slower than what my pacing plan says. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? You get totally derailed, right? And then you get these negative thoughts that start to creep in, and you're like, well, now how am I going to catch up and meet my goal? And so that's why I almost think it's better to approach the marathon with with almost just like a kind of a range of paces that you want to be at at certain points of the, the course right and not so much worry about mile by mile just because you know you're going to have different factors like oh maybe the wind's coming from the north and you didn't expect that and so the first you know like chicago a lot of the first few miles are you're heading north in the town right and so just like uh being aware of that that like you're not always going to hit everything mile by mile right but what you can do is set yourself up to feel a certain way during each part of the course and so when i write a pacing plan that's sort of what i'll do is i'll i'll break it into certain sections of the race so miles one through five it's usually like a relaxed effort mile six through ten is sort of like a you know you're picking it up slightly getting closer to that that goal race pace and then you know from about miles 11 through 20 you're basically maintaining right around goal pace and if you exceed it by about five to ten seconds or you fall short by five to ten seconds that's okay but just sort of being aware of like um this is sort of my sweet spot for the race where i need to be feeling good i need to be really focused on my mindset and fueling so that when i get to mile 20 i don't hit the wall that sort of thing and so that's sort of how i want athletes to approach the marathon um and then when we're talking about a half or a 10k or something shorter you know it's a little bit easier i think to um break that down and for me when i've done we've done a lot of 5ks over the years i almost always just have like the first mile um, speed limit in my mind and that's it I don't really care about the rest because I know the race will play out however it does right based on like how I'm feeling but I know that if I kind of if I uh, go out a little too hard it's going to derail the race and if I go out too conservative I'm not going to run a time that I think is you know where I should be at right now based on my current fitness and so it is it does come with experience I think narrowing down like what is that pace range I should be targeting yeah definitely a lot of really good points there and I like how you're talking about how you should feel at different parts on the course. I know that can be a little bit more challenging if you're not super familiar with the course, but I think that's why it's important to maybe pull up that elevation map and maybe look at it and try to compare it to what are some of the routes that you're currently running for your long run. So whenever training for like the Boston Marathon, for example, I like to do a lot of my long runs on hillier routes and I like to incorporate that into my training so that I can have those visualization moments of, okay, yeah, like we're doing a tempo and it's up a hill, but guess what? Boston's going to have hills. And so you're going to have to learn how to adapt and how to adjust your pacing 
within your training based on where the hills are because the hills are coming on race day and so it's really good to have some sort of like course simulation within your training Um, I know we've talked a little bit about that throughout the podcast episodes this summer but as we get closer to race day if you still have time I know some people may be doing New York they have probably a little bit more time but New York is a hilly course and so incorporating some hills into your tempo miles and into some of your workouts here as we get closer can definitely give you those opportunities to do the visualization because your legs are going to feel tired and it is going to feel hard to go up those hills towards the end of the race but if you have experience doing it within your training you know what sort of pace you can sustain and so the best thing that you can do is learn how to listen to your body within training and make those adjustments on the fly. And then on race day, your body will naturally be able to know exactly what to do because you've built that muscle memory when you are going up those hills and when you do have to make those adjustments on the fly based on how you're feeling. Yeah, I like how you talk about that. Visualizing is key, especially during long runs. Um, You know, you're getting getting to like 12, 13, 14 miles of your long run and really just you want it to feel almost like easy and and thinking about, okay, this is how I want to feel at mile 15 of the marathon or mile 18 of the marathon, right? I want to, you know, be getting my fueling and thinking about, okay, this is what I'm going to have to do now to really grind it out to pick up the pace to reach my goal, that sort of thing. So you always want to be having sort of that visualization happening during your workouts and your long runs. Um, thinking about the race and yeah if you never ran the course of the race you don't know exactly what it's going to look like or what to expect but you know how you should feel at certain parts of or how you want to feel at least at certain parts throughout the race right so how you want to feel at mile 20 um, at mile five that sort of thing yeah and I think it can be really hard when you have a time specific goal that you're hoping to run I think the first time that I broke 330 you know that's a pretty um, like that's a time barrier it was like a BQ and I knew it. Okay, you have to run faster than eight minute pace. Same with when I broke the three hour barrier. It was like it's another time barrier. You know exactly what pace you need to be running. Okay, I need to run at least six fifty. So both of those races actually, when I did the first ten k, I was actually way below the pace that I needed to run um, the actual time. And I remember during both of those races being a little confused, like why the pace maybe felt a little bit challenging. And there were like a lot of doubts, maybe those first couple of miles. Cause I, here I was going, you know, at the three thirty race, the first couple of miles were like eight ten, And I was like getting passed by people and just a lot of negative thoughts started creeping up. Cause I was like, okay, this does feel easy. I'm listening to my body, but I'm feeling pretty nervous right now because I'm at mile four and I still have 22 miles to go and I have to really pick up the pace and I am going to have to trust that at the end of the race, I'm not only going to be able to run race pace, but I'm actually going to have to almost like make up some time. Like I'm going to have to have quite a few miles in like the 740s probably. And it's just, it's almost like daunting. And I think there's always that temptation of like, oh, you should try to, you know, quote unquote bank time now, but you really have to listen to your body knows how to do this. Trust yourself. And I kind of came to terms at that race. Like, well, if you know, you're going based on effort, you know exactly what to do. And if you end up not running that time, well, maybe it just, this wasn't like the day for it. So I ended up running 327, even though my first couple of miles were well, um, slower than what the pace I was supposed to run. Then fast forward to the sub three hour marathon that I recently ran. I knew, okay, I got to run 650. Like I have to do it. Um, the first, the first five miles I hit like 710 average. And I was like, well, I don't think today's the day I actually had to stop to go to the bathroom to go, 
Um, and I was like, well, there goes another 30 seconds out the window. And I was kind of beating myself up because I'd actually ran several marathons the first 10 miles of the race faster. And so I was like, there's no way that like I'm going to actually, but I just, every time I had those negative thoughts, it's just like, that's not productive. It's not helpful. Don't think about it. You have to clear the mind. You have to allow your body to just run and do what it knows what to do. And if your thoughts are the thing that it's going to stop you, that's going to get you in the way. And I also remember there was the pacer, right? So I know that's like the next question. There was that like sub through our pacer. And what I noticed that that pacer was doing was they were just like hammering it, like up any of those first couple hills. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to like even go with them. It's not worth it to me. I know how to pace myself. Um, and I kind of just allowed myself to run the pace that felt comfortable. Um, somewhere it's like I, I ended up making up, not making up the time, but I ended up feeling a lot better at the second half of the race and running um, like a crazy negative split. And I think that's just a testament to like running based on effort and not forcing it when it's not needed. Um, Just listening to your body and you almost have to come to terms with and be at peace with the outcome not going your way. And I think that's really what I ended up doing in both of those races is going well. Like I guess the outcome, if it doesn't end up that way, that's fine, but I'm still gonna listen to my body and I'm gonna trust that my body knows the right pace to run today I've done everything I can in training and I'm doing everything I can right now. And it would be foolish to do something like try to force the pace or push myself beyond where I know my current limits are and allowing yourself to just have faith and trust in the process that at the end of the race, you're going to feel good. If you pace the first half appropriately, you will feel good. And you have to just put that trust in your training, right? I mean, you say it all the time, but that's really what it all boils down to is that first half of the race. Also just trusting your training, trusting your body to do what it needs to do and not trying to make up for time or, oh no, I'm not on pace. I have to, you know, oh. Yeah. Imagine if you listen to those negative thoughts in your mind, but you were able to, um, like you said, kind of come to terms with, okay, it's okay if I don't reach my goal, but I'm still doing the very best I can today. And I might end up feeling a little bit better in a mile or two. Um, maybe the course will be a little bit more favorable then too, or whatever. And so I, I should, you know, I can maybe pick it up. And so you were kind of still focused on like the task at hand. You weren't worried about like the outcome. And I think that so many times people, they worry so much about the outcome and this goes back to like workouts too. So like if you, Mm. if you do your workouts that way, where you break it down and just get one piece done at a time, right. And you're, and you challenge yourself in this way to do better on the next rep or the last rep or whatever. And you start to create that as sort of your mindset, it becomes a habit. And then that will transfer over into your races. And eventually if you've had some experience doing this in shorter races, like running a negative split race, or, you know, even running like an even split race, let's say you're doing a 10 K and you run the first five K in 20 minutes and the next five K in 1930, something like that, that gives you the confidence that you need to, I think, go into these longer races. Um, and it, you just have a better idea of like knowing what you're capable of. And I think that that's really powerful and that will help you, um, you know, create an honest goal for yourself. Yeah, definitely. A lot of really good words of wisdom there. I definitely think you got to practice how you intend to race, right? You have to have periods in your training, like workouts in your training where you don't like completely just throw in the towel because you're going to have times during your race where you throw in the towel and you're just going to have to keep digging, like dig deep. And regardless of like what pace your fifth rep is, or if you slow down a little bit, like who cares, you're you're still doing the task at hand. And I think that's what's the most important thing that you can do is just like clear your mind and just focus on the one task that's at hand. Because once you start like going 10 steps ahead and, and getting 
anxious about that. Um, I think that's where a lot of runners and any athlete in general, you're going to start to lose focus. You're going to um, just, your performance is going to go way down. I mean, you want to be in the flow state. So you just want to be focusing on the one thing that you're doing, which is listening to your body, pushing yourself, all those good things. Um, And that next question that kind of dives into the next question, (laughs) should you run with a pacer or wear a pace band? And so those are kind of two different aspects. Wearing a pace band, I guess we can talk about first. Um, So there's really like two different types of people in the world. I think there's people who are really good with math and numbers. And then I think there's people that maybe are not and they do not enjoy doing math and numbers related things, especially when they're running. Um, I think most people know like which one they are, right? So if you're someone who, when you're running, you do mental math in your head, or maybe you have a math related job, you're an engineer, whatever, you can probably do math pretty quickly in your head. You have an idea of like what pace you need to run. Um, for people who are not maybe math minded and, and maybe really have no idea, like what, what would I be at the 10 mile mark at if I'm trying to run my goal pace? And you literally don't know because you're not someone that Mm -hmm. really focuses on numbers as much. This is where I think a pace band could be helpful because it gives you like a reference point as to like where you want to be. And so it's not even really like a traditional pace band that I would recommend. It's almost like I would recommend you have something that has your elapsed time at each mile almost. So maybe what should your elapsed time be at mile five? 10, 15, 20 to like run around your goal pace. Just having an idea of what that is because then you're not like completely lost out at sea, right? You have reference points available to you and that's where I think pacing bands can really help. But where I think they can hinder performance is someone maybe who is really numbers minded, really, really focused on the numbers, can already do all of that math in their head. They know exactly where they need to be. Um, but they're still like hyper fixating and focused on that because it's, it's almost distracting at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I always used to take those at the expo just to kind of like think about it in my head and like look at the numbers based on what I thought in my mind to see like how far off am I, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, but when we talk about the pacing groups, you know, I think this will kind of boil down to what is your ultimate goal and how aggressive are we being? Because there might be a time and place where starting with a pacing group is actually a good thing for you. Maybe it'll actually hold you back, right? And so, you know, if your goal is um, 326 or something, maybe starting with a 330 pace group is is a good idea, right? Um, but if 330 is already a stretch goal for you and you want to go out with that, that might not be the best thing. So a lot of times I'll tell athletes to use it sort of like, like you said, as a reference point, like start out a little bit behind, keep them in your sights, that sort of thing. Um, I know when I ran a marathon for fun once, that's kind of what I did as I, I didn't really focus on time, but I just sort of knew kind of where I wanted to start to make sure I didn't go out like too hard because um, I wanted to keep that for pretty easy. And so they are good to um, sort of notice and use as a reference, but don't rely on them completely because I know a lot of times the pacers can, they can, be, they can miss it. They can miss the mark a little bit. They might go out a little too hard, right? Or they maybe go out a little too slow and then they have to really make up for it. And that, that might be okay depending on the type of the race environment, but um remember they're human so they're not robots Mm -hmm. they're not going to do the perfect pace pacing like the um find my marathon guy does um you know spit out for us so um i I think all in all you had mentioned too a little bit ago about being in like a flow state and for me that's pretty much the most important thing to think about when you're in these longer races right like for for the first like 75 percent of the race you want to be in this like flow state where you're dialed in your body where you're able to 
not use up all of your energy and focus, right? Because you're going to need that the last quarter of the race. You need that energy. You need that focus to really um, dig deep when, when times get hard, right? And to grind it out. And so um, I learned that as a result of growing up and running like all these track races, right? Like we'd run the mile, it's four laps. So it's like you needed to have that final lap. Um, otherwise, you were going to get blown away. So you just kind of like zone out and then you wake up and it's go time. Same thing with the marathon. It's like you learn over time through training. Um, when is it time to kind of come out of this flow state and to get into my like um, more energized state where I'm really focused, I'm ready to grind it out. And because if you use all that up early in the race, it's going to be a long day out there. And so I think um, that's the benefit again of doing like shorter races to help you with this, uh, but more of the men mental side of things um, so that you actually have that confidence in the marathon, you know, where, okay, I'm going to, I plan to feel this good at mile 20 instead of hitting the wall. Yeah, definitely. It's always better to save it up for the end. I like how you referenced that. And I know when you try running with a pace group, like let's say I tried to follow that sub three group, um, it would have just like wasted a lot of energy in the beginning of the race because they they do sometimes do a lot of surging because you have to keep in mind the person who is pacing these races is a human, like you said, and they probably have fitness level that's well beyond so like the guy who was pacing for the sub three hour i'm sure he's like a 230 marathoner and so for him it's hard he doesn't really know that pace that well it's hard for him to really know just like i sometimes think oh if i had to go pace a marathon it would be kind of challenging to get into that groove especially especially uphills downhills because mm -hmm. to that athlete that's so much fitter it's going to feel a lot easier to go up those hills. And so they might not be slowing down as much as someone who's right. really riding the line of their fitness. Yep. And so those extra 10, 15 seconds per mile, um, it's, it's like a life or death situation <laughs> in the marathon. So if you're running a really flat course and you have a really great pacer, it's probably fine. But I find that courses that have a lot of elevation change, it can be a little bit more challenging for these pacers. And I have an experience doing like, I think it was a get lucky have, it must've been like eight years ago now. Um, and the sub 130 pace group, he was holding the sign and the second mile we did like a six, I think it was a 631. And so he went 20 some seconds per mile faster than he should have been. And all he said was oops. And so you have a whole bunch of people that are following right. you. And you know, sometimes that happens and you just have to realize that you're putting your race at the mercy of someone else. And so just keeping it in check and like really knowing and, and being okay with letting them pass you, being okay with them, not necessarily running with them is definitely a good way to go. Um, but yeah, this was a really great episode talking about pacing plan developments. I know this time of year, a lot of people, maybe they didn't work with a coach during their training cycle, but then they start wanting mm -hmm. some feedback on their training cycle or maybe an idea for what sort of pacing plan they should follow. And that's definitely something that we do here. So if that's something you're interested in, we would love to take a look at your training cycle and help you with the final weeks of training or even just like a pacing plan development for your race and a little reverse taper afterwards. We'd love to get to know more about you, your training, and your goals. So if that's something you're interested in, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial working with a coach. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.